I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we will help you learn to invest in 20 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and unfortunately today we are not joined by my equity buddy, Ren. He was unable to make it for this interview, but alas, the show must go on. So today I am excited to introduce you to another expert investor interview in our series. Hannah Campbell is the guest on the show today. She is otherwise known as Sugar Mama and the creator and founder of The Thousand Dollar Project, all of which we will delve into in this episode. Now, I know there are some listeners out there who would be very excited for us to have Kana on the show. And if you have never heard of her before, then this is a great opportunity for you to get to understand what she is all about. She has some fantastic messages about personal finance and investing, a really interesting story and a very worthwhile project that uh, anyone out there can give a crack. So without further ado, here is our interview with Kana Campbell. Welcome to Equity Mates Investing Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate your time for coming on. My pleasure. To give our listeners an idea of your style of investing, I just wanted to play a quick overrated or underrated game uh, against various different types of assets to see what you thought about them. So overrated or underrated the Australian property? Overrated. Okay. What about overrated, underrated government bonds? Can I be neutral? For the purpose of the game, no. Oh, no. Okay. Um, Overrated. Okay. What about overrated, underrated US market? Underrated. Corporate bonds? Underrated. What about overrated, underrated margin loans? Underrated. And the ASX 200? Underrated. Cash and term deposits? Oh, underrated. Okay, interesting. So, a bit of a preference there for equities, obviously, which is what we would expect, and we'll get uh, into that a bit later on. So, I guess a bit about your background, Kana. I came across you with um, the $1,000 project, which we'll get to a bit later, but uh, I wanted to go back a bit. You're a financial advisor. So, how and when did you decide that that was sort of the path that you wanted to take? At a really young age, um, my father got me into investing um, when I was in, I think, my first year of university, and I absolutely loved it. Getting my first dividend check in the mail, um, not even knowing what a dividend check was at the time. It was the biggest trigger for me to decide, okay, this is amazing. I need to show other people what this is all about and how they can create this for themselves. Yeah, I remember my first dividend as well and was blown away by the fact that we were getting free money from doing nothing. So <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> it's incredible. It's the best. Even, you know, I still get excited when I see, you know, dividends coming in. It's just, you know, it's all signs you're heading on the right path and it's it's all paying off. So what was that first investment that, that resulted in giving you the the, the dividend and did you did you decide personally to invest in it or how did you decide? No, I was sort of fresh out of school and um, my father was put, organized and put it in, uh, put it in with me. It was a investment into a property trust, um, so I got was getting quarterly sort of dividend payments. 
Yeah, right. It was like a yeah, industrial property trust. Okay. And is that sort of still something, not that particular company, but that style of investment, something that you still invest in today? Um, I don't. I'm much more, I've, it's funny, like, you, you know, when you first start investing, you kind of go with what the person you trust the most says. Mm. And it, I've since over time, as I've become more educated and I'm a you know, qualified financial planner and have been doing this for so many years, I am actually very much more based around industrial stocks. So, um, you know, my father's taught me how to invest but I've developed and designed my own style Hmm. and um, very much buy and hold. But, you know, blue chip Australian industrial stocks is is what I prefer the most and reinvest dividends as much as possible. What was one of the biggest lessons that you've learned about money growing up in your 20s and and making that first investment at uni and and then, you know, looking back on it, what's one of the biggest things you've learned? I think looking back is the impact of small habits. Um, You know, being mindful with money as early as possible has a huge impact on um, making your life as easy as possible going into the future. Um, You know, my first job out of university, my base salary was my entire package actually was $30,000 a year. But I was really, I had really healthy habits. I didn't spend what I didn't earn. Um, I had a great balance. Yes, I did allow myself to buy a, a new dress for that weekend, but I also made sure I did that after saving, you know, a certain percentage of my salary. And and um, my father, if he ever saw me with a shopping bag, he'd be like, hang on, have you have you got money in your savings account? Have you, put, you know, invested some more money? And I always was able to answer that. Yes, it's okay. I've, I've done those things. I've honored those priorities first. And it's, the smallest things really do add up. And when you're really passionate and connected to a goal and you just go for it, it's amazing what you can achieve. Yeah, I totally agree that um, having those, those uh, habits in place is incredibly important, especially when it comes to having money available to invest what was what sort of gave you the ability or empowered you to actually develop those habits in the first place how did you how did you do that well, I think it was almost a little bit spiritual in one sense. I look at people around me who the impact of financial stress in their lives and, um, you know, whether it causes problems in relationships, whether it causes problems in careers, families, um, health. And I, that's what was such a driving force internally for me because it's one area of our lives where we actually have a lot more control than we realize. So that was probably the, my number one driving source and force. And that is still what it is today. So I guess broadly speaking then, why do you invest? What What's the driver for that? Is to have um, free, the freedom. To me, freedom is a huge luxury. I'm really passionate about my job. I absolutely love it. I've been doing it for, I think, oh gosh, um, 17 years or something like that. And it's I'm, having that passive income coming in through my diversified share portfolio and my you know, investment portfolio is so rewarding knowing that I'm never trapped into a situation that I have to accept. You know, I'm free to to move. I'm free to change jobs. I'm free to live in another place. I'm free to give money to charity without any restrictions. Um, I'm free to help friends out without it impacting me. That is incredibly empowering. And it, it, that's, you know, that's what keeps me, me going and, and is what I focus on. Mm, no, I, I completely agree. It's a message that we try and get across uh, on our show as well is, you know, the, the power of um, setting yourself up now for, you know, 20 or 30 years down the track so that you can enjoy, I guess, not being the slave to the corporate world and living paycheck to paycheck and investing is certainly a fantastic way of, of doing that. Exactly. And by no means am I telling people to like quit their jobs, you know, I mean, even when I've 
achieved my goal, I will still get up and go do the same thing every day because I love what I do. But that comfort at night, knowing I'm building something that's actually going to exceed what I earn, um, is is helps you sleep well at night. So on that, what, what's your thoughts on the whole fire movement at the moment? You know, that financial independence and what is it, retire, retire early lifestyle that I think they're encouraging. Do you agree with that, or what's your sort of take on it? Um, look, it, it's so individual. We now are in a, working in a day where you don't have the same job for the rest of your life. You can evolve, you can reinvent yourself. Um, and, you know, if you're able to, to set yourself up by doing all the right things early in life, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm not opinionated on anything. I respect everyone's individual situ- um, individual dreams and goals. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. You're, you are a financial advisor, been doing it for, what, 17 years or now, now or so. Yeah, fi- yeah financial um, planner. Yeah. Financial planner, yeah. But I guess you're more famous for being known as Sugar Mama and, <laughs> and your, what, 110,000-odd uh, subscribers on YouTube um, who mm. watch your videos on all things sort of personal finance and, and investing. Um, so that brings us to the $1,000 project. Now, I'm sure there are a number of listeners out there I know who are aware of the $1,000 project, but for those of them who aren't, um, can you give us an insight into what the $1,000 project is and why you started it? Okay. Um, $1,000 project is, is such a, it's like my personal, like precious baby. Um, it's where I took one really big goal and just broke it down into bite-sized, mini manageable and therefore achievable goals. And that was just, just to come up with $1,000 at a time. Um, you know, I could, I could have said to myself, okay, say $40,000 in the next 12 months. I would have completely freaked myself out over well myself and probably just given up um, and procrastinated. But I said to myself, well, hang on, why don't I just think about $1,000? $1,000 is a lot of money to me, but it's not incomprehensible. I, I can find a way of coming up with $1,000. So that's exactly what I did. So I, I wanted, to, and I already had my YouTube channel, it was growing. I wanted to be able to create a fun challenge where people could join in with me, but I could prove people what I'm talking about because I can bang on about it and tell everyone, you know, watch your pennies and the pounds looking after themselves and you need to invest in shares. But unless I'm actually showing people that I'm doing it myself and they can see the benefits, I'm not going to have that great impact on people. So what I did was I created some rules. I was like, I can't take any money out of my salary. I can't take any money out of my savings. I have to I have to get out and hustle. I've got to find ways to create this um, to show people that you're not limited by your current situation. You're not limited by what you earn. Um, you're just limited by your mindset. And if you can change that, the sky's the limit. So I literally, the moment I decided, um, I got straight into it straight away i started selling things on gumtree and ebay um i created like fun financial challenges like frugal february and manifesting march um i did market research um i rented my house out on airbnb when i was away um on holiday anyway i i did so many weird and wonderful things um it really was incredible and every time i every time i came up with a thousand dollars i put it on my website this is how i did it and so i could share with everyone what i was doing and by the first 12 months i did $32,000 and every time i had $1,000 i went and invested it into australian blue chip shares so people could see that i'm actually not saving all this money to go and blow it i'm saving it to build for my financial future and security i mean it sounds like quite an adventure to be honest um you would yeah. have done some pretty cool stuff <laughs> yeah what was i guess one of the most enjoyable or memorable thousands that you saved that you sort of finished and you're like man that was that was a cool way to do that i think decluttering my home the 
$10,000 project really um, aligned to my growing love of minimalism in my life, um, I decluttered my house and I freed up so much space and it made it so much easier to take care of and maintain and keep clean. And we are just drowning in stuff that we've been told we need to buy and have, but don't really use it. And my money, my mantra is only buy what you love, value, use and appreciate. So I was able, it was cathartic um, and it was just liberating as well. That was one of my most satisfying ways of of, um, making some quick cash. And what was perhaps one of the thousand that took the longest? Because I'm imagining this wasn't sort of like a thousand every two weeks or, you know, yeah, it would have taken some taken a lot longer. What, What was the real slug? Oh, there were ones where I'd have like months where I just my energy levels were really yeah, flat and, yeah. you know, things were just, you know, like, for example, I would be, I'd um, take on extra freelancing work to do on the weekends. And someone, um, I had a couple of situations where people took, you know, three or four months to finally pay me. Um, that was, that was a bit of a kick in the guts because I'd given up my weekends. I'd done all the job, like finished it off, done it exactly as they requested, but then they didn't honor, you know, they were slow to pay. And, uh, you know, I had to be patient and kind and professional, but then also, you know, I was like, I'm building a thousand dollar project. I need to keep going you know so there there were there it is it's an it's an emotional journey it's an adventure and but it's every thousand dollars is so exciting and you feel like you're just breaking through any self-imposed um self-limiting beliefs that you've ever you know put on yourself you just smash them away and um it, it's so inspiring and the people it's actually taken it's a life of its own on social media over the last couple of months where people now text me their pictures of what they're doing they text me their pictures of their ebay um items or their Gumtree items and they text me pictures of them reading their book on the beach and um, and then other people are doing the same and I'm like, it's just like it's become insane. I probably get like five pictures a day now um, from around the world as well. It's, it's not just Australia, it's Venezuela, Chile, England, Singapore, um, it, uh, Belgium. It's just mind-blowing and um, and they're, you know, doing, you know, the thousand euro project or the thousand pound <laughs> project. Like, uh, and, the, and the thing is the thousand dollar project is it was my thousand project but it can be your $100 project um, and I do hope that I'm going to be able to turn the $1,000 project into a, a program for children as well to teach children about money mindfulness and the importance of giving and the importance of investing because all that passive income I make I give to charity. I guess just touching on a point you made there you know so the $1,000 project's a, a great example of the message that we sort of try to get across which is you know the importance of saving to invest mm-hmm. and not necessarily saving to save and and, yeah. and and I think many people say that they can't invest because they don't necessarily have money to, which I think mm. is a bit of a myth. But um, yes, huge. so for some people, you know, saving a thousand dollars might be quite difficult, as you said, and it, it is a lot of money. Um, so I guess what advice and tips do you have for people who say might be in that position and looking to still achieve the same sorts of results? Do you have sort of what good habits can people put in place to invest regularly? Of course. Well, look, just on that, on a personal note with a thousand dollar project, when I started this project, I had just gone through the end of a very painful, um, toxic and expensive divorce. And I had no money to invest myself. I was on such a tight budget to keep my own head above water and take care of my son. Um, So even if I want to have taken money out of my own salary or savings, that was actually was not possible. Um, So first of all, I had to adjust my mindset um, because there's no point 
going to something like this if you don't really believe in yourself. So, and that's why I just focus on the little things that you can do. So I just focused on the thousand dollars that I could, that I could do. Um, I also sat down and I went through my budget, um, little things like I had Foxtel and I don't even watch television. So that immediately went, um, I learned to take my lunch to work all the time, um, which then actually also had fantastic health benefits as well. Um, I learned, you know, things like uh, meal planning and food prepping to, to save money and reduce wastage. Like all these little things, like look at the way that you spend money. Also doing things like paying for things in cash because you're so much more present when you hand that $50 note over. I know I hate breaking notes um, and I have embraced the cashless society, but that doing that cash exercise for such a long period of time, I'm so respectful of, of watching my account balance drop if I'm going to be swiping and tapping. Um, so, and then also then look at ways of, you see, look at the ways you can save with your existing lifestyle, but then also look at ways you can do, earn extra money because it's, it's, it's the two different sort of parallel worlds of saving and earning more. That's how you break, you know, your financial circumstances and, and raise your bar. So, you know, I did, I enrolled in market research. I tested biscuits to washing powders <laughs> to washing machines, like all sorts of different things. And, you know, people thought I was completely nuts. Um, and, and I was to a certain degree, but I was really passionate and determined to make this happen. And it was, it was completely worth it. Um, and so, you know, what can you do? Can you walk dogs? Can you do some babysitting work? Can you do tuition? Um, can you, I had this one girl who was brilliant. She was actually a personal trainer, but she was also really good at carpentry. So she started to make life-size Jenga box uh, blocks, which she not only sells on Gumtree, but she also rents out to events and is doing really well. So, you know, start doing things, thinking about ways you can earn extra money. Like, can you do cooking lessons? Can you um, cook pr people's meals to help them out? Can you, you know, do some nannying? What are the things you can do to help bring some extra money? Um, and these things really do make a huge difference. After all of that, you saved 32000 was it? 32000 in 12 months. Yes. And then I did it all over again. <laughs> the $1,000 project isn't just a stagnant thing. It's something that's evolving and growing. It was, um, so year, round two was 36000 oh, wow. in 13 months. Okay. Round three, I say round three is just about to finish at the end of the round three ends at the beginning of March. Okay, and how are you going so far? I'm actually behind. Okay. And there's a very good reason why I'm behind, which hopefully I can share with my followers soon. Okay. But this is the beauty of the $1,000 project is it evolves with you and your lifestyle. There we go. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk, the, I guess, about a bit more of the nitty-gritty of the investing um, because, uh, you know, you're saving $1,000 at a time and you said that you were looking at industrial stocks. Now, what was your rhythm for investing that 1000 I, I guess, did you, as soon as you saved it, did you invest it straight away or did you think about the timing that you were going to enter the market did you invest you know save the thousand dollar chunks into a five thousand dollar lot and invest it once how did you approach to that side of the investing so the moment i had my thousand dollars i invested it straight away but in the lead up in saving that thousand dollars i would research and look at my portfolio and think about what's the next stock i want to add to the portfolio what areas do i need to diversify into what 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 am i seeing value at the moment what are the you know estimated dividend yields on the, this and that? So, I, whilst I was saving and hustling, I was also researching. And there were occasions where I was you know I got paid say or earned or saved say 
$2,000, like I could put my tax refund in, for example. Um, so I had, say, $2,000 to invest. I would invest it in one hit of two, in $2,000 worth of stock. But I wanted, if I said to myself, oh, I'm going to wait and do it in chunks of 5000 I was worried about losing momentum because it's, I know for a lot of people when they go and buy shares, particularly when they're new to it, it's so, it's so liberating, it's so exciting. I wanted to keep that excitement and passion and adrenaline going because that would then fuel me to get started and cracking on my next $1,000. So you've essentially averaged your way into the market. So let's talk about uh, your research then. So I guess one of the more daunting aspects for a beginner investor is actually knowing what to buy. Uh, You mentioned that you you invested in industrial stocks. So can you explain to us why you chose those particular stocks as your focus? Sure. Um, I'm a huge fan of Peter Thornhill, who wrote the book Motivated Money. And if you look at the long-term returns paid by industrial stocks versus um, resources, the the, the value, the growth is exponentially different between the two. Industrial shares have a growing dividend at a much more consistent and faster rate than resources stocks. Um, I also was, have been passionate about stocks because you don't have the same holding costs and buying costs that you do with, with property. But I love most importantly is the franking credits that you get as well because, you know, as my situation changes and, you know, my income changes, those franking credits can be incredibly valuable as well yeah so that's something that we've for the for the beginner uh, investors that are listening to us now that's something that we cover in our dividend episode so don't panic if you're unsure (laughs) what we're talking about in terms of franking credits but can you just uh, differentiate for us the difference between an industrial stock and a commodity stock for example of course so um, an industrial stock is a company that produces goods and services Um, resources stocks is normally companies that take stuff out of the earth so gold or coal or gas so i mean different very different business operations you know resource companies are very expensive to set up and to maintain um with industrial stocks it's goods and services companies that you deal with every day so like the Woolworths, the Qantas's, um going to your coals you know um telstra like the companies that we use every day we rely on just to function and and importantly, you chose these because you were looking for an income stream, really. Mm-hmm. And yes. um, that's probably one of the um, benefits, I guess, of investing in equities is, is, as you said right at the start, is you know getting that dividend check. So does that mean that over the year you had a selection of stocks that you were averaging into mm-hmm. and now that's generating an income stream for you? Yes. So the, if you check out my website, you'll see in my lo- latest blog post, I have invested I have a passive income stream of about $4,465 per year, I believe. And that comes in in two installments a year, right? Yes, yes. I actually reinvest, though, all my dividends. Okay, Um, that was going to be my next question. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And why is that? So I guess for for those listening, reinvesting, so um, Canada decides not to take the cash and you essentially say to the, the companies, no, I want you to put that cash back into the stocks and buy more stocks essentially. So why do you do that? 
Well, it adds to obviously the, the compounding effect, you know, in the, in the wealth creation. And the other benefits are I, I save on brokerage every time I do that. I don't pay, you know, $20 or $18 or $17 in brokerage. It goes straight back in. Some companies even offer dividend reinvestment at a, at a small discount. It also helps average out my entry price because it's reinvesting at the, with the market share price moving. Um, and essentially, which is probably the biggest thing of all, is I'm buying more passive income streams. I can comfortably live on my salary. I don't need that. So why don't I let it grow um, and build over the long run and give it the biggest and best opportunity possible and and let it go? And to be honest, if I was to take some of those dividends, it's not going to add that much value into my life. But I know by reinvesting, it's going to add huge value in my long-term life. Absolutely. So how often are you reviewing your portfolio? I imagine that, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but that the stocks that you probably chose three years ago um, – um, or in round one are not necessarily the exact same stocks that you would be putting in now. Is that is that the case? Are you reviewing? No, not at all. The, I'm still buying um, the, the pretty much the same stocks. I've added more listed investment companies to help, um, I guess, reduce the risk and smooth out the volatility. So we have, you know, the companies like Whitefield and Milton in there. Um, but we also have, I've included some international ETFs. Um, and a geared ETF as well. Um, long or short? Long. <laughs> what is your time horizon? Do you have one in mind that you're sort of aiming to... <laughs> <laughs> to exit and run away. <laughs> yeah, run. Um, no, never. I, I get asked this question all the time, like, when are you going to sell the whole portfolio down and what are you going to do with the money? I'm like, don't be stupid. Why would I ever cut off my passive income stream? I, this, is, this is... I've only touched the surface. This is going to be bigger and better and, um, and I'm hoping it will become, you know, a fairly important movement where this money continues to go to charity year after year and it's not a $5,000 donation it's a $50,000 donation and next year it's a $55,000 donation and the next year you know as it continues to grow all to go to charity I have no intention to sell down the the portfolio why would I want to I'm going to pay a whole pile of capital gains tax Um, obviously depending if labour keep the 50% (laughs) CDT discount in place and obviously the franking credits but it's why would I do that and then I put it in cash and then inflation and tax um, kicks in and eventually I watch all that money that I've hustled and saved er slowly erode away. Whereas if what I ultimately want to do is have that portfolio generating so much passive income that it more than covers the average Australian's um, cost of living. So are you... um only investing what you make through the $1,000 project or are you now supplementing these investments with, with your income as well? No, the $1,000 project is completely separate yeah. to my own personal share portfolio and it's funny. Gotcha. People ask me questions and, I, and I, I'm so removed from it, I actually don't look at it as my money yeah, or right. my investment portfolio. <laughs> it's so non-emotional and it's like it's literally like I'm managing my son's like piggy bank money. Like it's just, it's not mine. It's, it, it's uh, because it's, I'm using it to prove a point, to, yeah, to yeah. inspire people, to motivate people to get off their backsides and do something, change their future, see how powerful they really are. I think that's one of the most important lessons that I personally have learned over the sort of last two or three years doing the podcast as well is the mm-hmm. ability to remove your emotions from your investing decisions because, you know, the long-term implications of um, getting your, your emotions involved can be quite disastrous to the performance of your portfolio. And mm-hmm. I guess if you feel 
feel like you're removed from this and literally just following a process rather than a process that's impacted by your emotions, then, mm. you know, um, they also, you know, consistency and, and following a, a process is probably in itself a really good investing strategy. And also look for opportunities. Like, you know, the, the portfolio for a while there was actually worth quite a bit more than what I had invested there. You know, the, the cost price versus the market value was quite substantial and not once did I ever publicize that because I didn't want people to think this is about making a quick dollar or making lots of money and I, it would then become emotional. So um, the portfolio is probably reasonably close to what I the cost of the port, um, of what I've invested, give or take a couple of thousand dollars. But at the end, I get it. this is actually exciting because these are now opportunities. I'm I'm you know I'm picking up ANZ at a, at a disc a bigger discount than what I have bought it in the past. This is great. Like give me more. I'll, I'll use this and it's still got a great yield on it. And obviously general disclaimers. I'm not recommending ANZ to people, but I'm just saying that was my emotions. It, it's 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 exciting. It's yeah. opportunity. No, I, I agree. What's one of the biggest myths of investing that you think is out there at the moment? that you can't oh well can i give you two <laughs> absolutely one is that you can't afford to invest that's just rubbish i, I cannot tell you what i went through when i was going through when i first started up the thousand dollar project everyone thought i would you know, i fought so hard to put my son first and and it cost a huge amount and um and i just did it because i just was so adamant and i didn't you know there were moments where i thought oh my god i'm, I'm going to fall spectacularly but i i didn't you that is you've just got to get on and and come up with ideas and just shut up and, and do something about it don't wallow don't feel um, pity you just just try your best and every little step counts and, and is a step in the right direction um sorry and the second thing that i think is the biggest myth is that you should do this when you're older investing is for for wealthy people only rubbish i have seen young girls who have come to me with substantial share portfolios that they have established a couple of, a couple of years ago um and they have got the most exciting future ahead of them it, it there are and there is a growing trend of young people building shares actually saying no to property interestingly uh, which is great um, for the right people and um, and they are kicking butt and they're achieving their goals and it's only going to get easier so this idea that well in stocks and bonds and shares are for wealthy old men that's ridiculous that couldn't be further from the truth completely agree with both of those here two messages that we also try and get across in our show so um, glad we see eye to eye on that kind <laughs> um, let's let's wrap up and, and finish with um, our final three questions that we always ask our guests when they come on the show so we'll kick it off with the first one which is what are your must read books uh, investing or otherwise related there are four books that I want to mention one is Motivated Money by Peter Thornhill so for anyone invest, interested in investing in shares this is uh, and I don't know if you've read this book or come across this book yourself but it is Peter Thornhill is a, um, a brilliant public speaker he's I've known him probably for uh, 12, 13, 14 years um, and he is an experienced investor, self-made multimillionaire, um, is actually comes from a fund manager background, and it's a huge eye-opening book. Uh, eye-opening of a book where he compares t 
long-term deposits, compares property, um, talks about the media and how they can cloud our judgment um, and the emotions behind investing. Definitely my number one pick. Another great one for money mindset is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's a hard book to read, but if you can get the, the recruit versions, um, which make it a lot easier to get the key points, I highly recommend that. Because if you don't have the right mindset, you're setting yourself up for a really tough time um, and a miserable time as well. Because this should be a fun, empowering experience. Next one is um, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Wealth. Simple, basic saving habits over a long run and w- where people end up financially is huge. And nothing is what you think it is. People might look like they're incredibly wealthy, but it's, you know, a stack of cards. They've got things financed. There's huge loans. There's credit card debts. Like it's, um, so that's a brilliant book as well. And then the last one is actually more of a life balance, and it's called Harmonic Wealth. It's hard to find, I believe. Um, so I don't lend my copy out to anyone. But it talks <laughs> about the pillars of wealth, and it's not just financial wealth. It's intellectual wealth, spiritual wealth relationship wealth, physical health, uh, wealth. Um, it, it it really is an incredible book and it has, a, has had a huge impact in my life and the way that I built my business. Yeah, nice. Some great recommendations there. We'll put them all in our show notes for our listeners. So where, where do you then go to find your investing information? Um, well, I use the, uh, sound like I'm recommending ANZ. <laughs> I'm not at all. I use the ANZ platform for both my personal share portfolio and for the $1,000 share portfolio. There's a lot of free research on that. It's, it's, it's a little bit limited. Um, also, um, I subscribe to Morningstar as well. But I also, I read the paper. I, I pick bits up from there, snippets of advice. Some, there's some pretty good tips in the paper. It's not hard to find. And then also, I use my intuition. If I am in you know, a supermarket and I see they've got this new range out of doing something quite different with their products and services and I think, wow, that's quite clever, You know, it, that will inspire me to go and have a look at what's going on with that company, what's it trading at, what's it been paying dividend yields, who's managing it, what are, what are the new things they're, they're working on. Like, I look around me all the time. Yeah, no, we just did a, an episode um, recently on, fi- on how to find inspiration if you're a beginner and that's one of the biggest um, messages that we touched on is using your environment as a trigger point mm. to look for um, for companies that you you probably actually know more about than you think you do just by virtue mm. of using them and, and interacting them with you know their product on a daily basis. So yeah, completely agree. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And the final one, Kana, is if you had to tell your 20-year-old self one thing, what, what would that be? It would be to start building passive income earlier. Um, if the, the goal and dream of owning your own home is a, is a great one to have and should never be necessarily put off, but don't you can put building passive income streams up as a priority. And if I could go back in time, I probably would have just focused on building passive income streams as soon as I started in my 18, rather than jumping on the bandwagon of having to own my own home. Thank you so much for joining us, Kenna. It, it was a um, inspiring uh, talking to you about the, the project. Um, you know, we certainly, your, your messages resonate with, with um, the way that we sort of think as well. And um, I know that a lot of our listeners would have got a lot, a lot out of that. If they want to find more out about yourself and the thousand dollar project where can they do that 
Well, you can buy the $1,000 project book on, I think, Amazon or good bookstores. It's also available in Audible. Um, and then there's my website, sugarmama.tv, and my my YouTube channel as well. Everything I provide is free, and I'm not um, I'm not trying to sell you uh, products or anything like that. It's um, it's pure financial education and inspiration. Mm. No, it's, it's, it's great. I was having a look at your channel, and there's some awesome stuff on there backed by 110,000 followers. So it's uh, certainly getting a good follow following um again appreciate your time and thank you for for sharing your your story and um some really cool tips with us appreciate it well thank you for allowing me to share and hopefully you know your listeners find this helpful and can make continue to make changes in their own life as they grow their own financial education and awareness equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned this is general advice only please speak to a financial professional to understand how they pertain to your individual situation 